HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. Okay, so this week, I'm excited to bring to you um, a wine expert. Um, those of you who've listened to this podcast for a while know that I'm big on wine. Um, although, I don't think I've told you this, Kojo, but I've, I've given up <laughs> drinking for the rest of the year. Um, so I'm missing this. We'll see how this conversation goes in terms of bringing me back around. But um, I haven't had wine in a while. And so we'll see how uh, this goes in, in terms of that. Um, but I'm excited to talk to Kojo. One, because we have a lot of things in common in terms of background, being from Ghana, specifically both being Ewe and then... Um, we both also worked in banking, it sounds like, um, and also have deep interest in wine. So all of that um, brings us to this conversation today. And I wanted to kick it off by asking you to introduce yourself to the audience, um, who you are. I think I've given a little bit of a hint in terms of where did you grow up, a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Kojo. Uh, obviously, uh, I go by Wine Kojo on uh, on Instagram. Mm. Um, originally from Ghana uh, and still from Ghana, born, bred, and <laughs> born, bred, and buttered in Ghana. Um, I I grew up here in Ghana, and uh, I moved to the U.S. Uh, like a week before I started college. Uh, went to school in Virginia. Went to school. After that, grad school in uh, Chicago, uh, worked in banking for a long time, uh, 16 years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, on the trading floor. So, Oh, uh, my God, that's yeah, intense, actually. I'm a, I'm a quant on the trading floor, <laughs> on, the, on the desk. Um, my degree was in financial mathematics. So most of what I did was did models uh, on the trade floor particularly wow. related to commodity trading. So at some point in my journey, I just got, you know, I felt sort of confined. I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting 
I, you know, I just, my soul wasn't there uh, or I wasn't getting the traction that I wanted um, there in banking. So I got bored on the trade for uh, that movie. Psalm came out, um, I, you know, um, and not before that, um, before that, there was Sideways. Sideways. That oh, was, yeah, I remember Sideways. Yes, yeah, so I actually did that whole trip. At some point, um, this, the movie, you know, when they went from uh, L.A. Uh, all the yeah. way north, um, I've done that uh, at least two or three times, that trip, um, because it was very interesting to me. So I just started picking up and learning. Um, and then uh, when Psalm came out, I decided to just try my hands at it. It was a bet with some of the guys on the trade floor. Um, so I went, studied, took the exam and passed, and then applied after that, obviously, is what I do. Um, <laughs> once, I, once I finish something, it's like, what is next? So I'd applied to go to Italy to this academy um, where um, I just found it, just Google it, I thought it was interesting. Um, it, it seemed pretty tough to get into, but um, I got into it, long story short. Um, uh, my, even my teacher was surprised that they accepted me. And when I got there, <laughs> I understood why, because of the 50 people, I was the only one who didn't work in wine. I was a banker. Oh. Yes. But the truth is the teacher was also uh, Italian who grew up in Canada and who had spent considerable time in the medical field. He was a, a, a gastroenterologist and um, at Harvard Medical, he decided, listen, I'm going to just go back. He went back to Italy, started walking the vineyards, talking to the, to, the, um, to the wine growers and the wine producers and wrote a very thick book, like a 700 page book. Oh, wow. And this became the textbook that you needed to read and pass. Uh, and the exam and this guy took pride in making things very difficult um, <laughs> and the Agatha. but the truth is uh there was a certain pride in in what he did and you know he always came at it from a very scientific um uh, place because he was a phys trained physician you know that helped me a lot because i came from physics i was a physicist in my uh, oh i see study. so for me this it, it formed structure in my mind I, I, I like structure before I like to get creative. <laughs> so that worked great. So went to Italy, uh, was uh, 50 of us took the exam. Of the 50, 22 of us passed. And I was, um, I was one of them. Um, and, you know, my name, because it starts with the A, the last name, uh, I was the first one to, to be mentioned. And I was just screaming, ran up to the stage and, and got my pin. Um, but... It was a, uh, it was a huge start, in in, in this wine. And in, in yeah, in the wine thing. That's right. So that's yeah, <laughs> that's that's my um. And then later left the left the trade floor, um, left the trade floor and uh, went went to Yale to study um to get an MBA, um, and 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 wine played a role in in, in getting me in and uh, literally when I walked to into the, the, the interview, the, the admissions director said, oh, you're a wine expert? And I said, yeah, you said, <laughs> this interview is over. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I got into, yeah, I, you know, I obviously 
did very well at Yale uh, academically, but largely uh, wine has made me a lot of friends. And um, and I can imagine. I can imagine. With, 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 with. Yeah. So, um, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. So, one, I want to go back. I'm going to rewind all the way back to when you were on the trade floor and, you know, between Psalm and Sideways. Had you had wine before then? So, like, I can understand, be, unless you're just a super highly motivated person, because <laughs> to go from being inspired by those couple of movies to immersing yourself completely into this world of wine, I wonder if you'd had, you know, any experience with wine before before then. It's a great question. So, sometime in my career, I lived in um, I lived in Omaha, and um, Omaha, okay, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, yeah. I work for uh, Conagra in Omaha, and uh, oh, I the company gives you all these perks when you go. So I had such cheap interest rates, and I bought a huge house. Uh, I was in my mid twenties, um, so I didn't know what to do. The house was largely empty, other than like my couch and the bed and the guest room. Right, so it was empty. The shelves were empty, and I had some friends visiting. They're like, "Hey, maybe you should just collect wine." You know, but before then, I, you know, like anything I do, I try to find structure. The moment I found out that um, within wine, all the things mm-hmm. that we're saying, the strawberry and the blackberry taste and the blueberry yeah. <laughs> you know, and all that was not actually put in there. The moment I found that out, I was obsessed with discovering those things, right? So uh, I think I got to the point where Largely, I could tell the difference between Merlot and Cabernet. And in America, that uh, it's, you know, I always tell people if, you know, in a lot of cases, wine from California is a blend between those two. In Bordeaux, especially, um, you get a blend of those two or some, some uh, proportion. Um, I tell people, yeah, if you, if, you, if you can tell the difference between Merlot and Cabernet, you're right on your way to 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 <laughs> your palate to, to understand what you're you're doing. Then after that, I moved on to Pinot Noir. So I think before these movies, I was able to comfortably uh, be able to tell you the difference just tasting them. Oh, Merlot and Cabernet, and obviously Pinot Noir, which is very obvious from the eye, like you can see it. Uh, the other ones you can't always uh, see them clearly as far as what yeah and and we'll we'll talk about that later we'll do a little bit of wine education later so that right. people can cuz cuz wine um i think in terms of approachability sometimes can be a little bit difficult because people here you know when you start talking about you know the different types and um alcohol content legs you know pinotage versus a pinot merlot versus a cabernet and people just get like it, it almost seems like it's um, exclusive, it's elitist almost. And so yeah. the approachability there can be a little bit challenging. So a little bit later, I want us to do a, uh, some education on like basic That's basics. Right. What should you be looking for in a wine, etc. Okay. And then um, in terms of the rewind, one other question I had was around um, specifically Italian. Like why, why were you drawn to Italian wine and to becoming certified in that space was it because of the challenge of that program or yeah no it's an interesting question and and that comes out of um you know when i sat there um 
I had questions and I, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it goes back to some of what you said, which is that for a long time, wine had been presented as an elitist thing. And here I was, I wasn't in wine. I had, wasn't, uh, yeah, I was a banker and all that and doing well, but I didn't, I didn't want to be associated with that. And also for me personally, the history of um, the f- French involvement in Africa, I, have, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, I have uh, a preference for non non French things. Um, <laughs> to, to, to. So I had a choice uh, between France and uh, oh, I see. and and Italy is in a, as far as a specialization. But I felt that there was a few things. I mean, I spent time in Italy. I had family in the Treviso area who had lived there since the eighties. I'd visited them a few times. Um, so I could, I could do a direct connection. Uh, mm-hmm. Italians are much like Africans um, in their response to things, They're fiery and, and not <laughs> organized. But in there, you get an opportunity if you, you're not a certain kind to get in there. You know, I could go to Italy today and sit there and study uh, one, one grape and become the foremost expert in the world on that grape. Because uh, unlike France, uh, which literally produces wine from about 15 grapes, Italy actively produces wine from about 435 grapes. Oh, wow. So uh, not only that, but there's 2,000 grapes uh, out there uh, that are are there. So uh, I could take any of them and just the love and the passion for it uh, become, you know, the respected expert in that. Uh, right. I like that opportunity. I like the mm. egoingness of um, Italian life, so to speak, um, and that you didn't have to belong to certain family to to you know Italy largely. And then as I dug deeper and deeper and studied into it, um, wine is food uh, in Italy. It, it was never uh, a bourgeoisie thing, and not only that, yeah. it's not. Um, Italy is not one country. It never was until 1865 when they clubbered a, a bunch of regions together, right? So uh, to form this country we know today as it. Mm. So um, largely, if you came from Piemonte and you were drinking Barolo, um, and then you went to Sicily and where they're drinking uh, Nerello Mascalesi and you tell them, oh, here's a fancy uh, Barolo, they're going to be look at you like what what the hell is that? <laughs> because largely the you know the wine is 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 connected to their food um so this is one of the ways that italian wine is so structured if you told me what village you're in and what mm-hmm. town you're in in italy chances are i can almost tell you the 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 wines you'd be drinking there um, oh, interesting. Yeah, because wine is regional, wine is food, wine is local in Italy uh, because, you know, there's a tradition there, which is what is supposed to be largely. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I want to take us now from Italy to South Africa, which is where um, sort of African wine, the African wine industry or culture is, is concentrated. Uh, and I, I see on Instagram, at least, that you've been to South Africa a few times and wanted to get your take on the, um, I guess, the landscape of wine there. So wine industry, the cultural and political backdrop. So I lived in 
South Africa for a couple of years. And I would say that those two years were probably when I indulged in wine the most because it was so cheap <laughs> and and good. I thought I, I I actually have a preference for South African wines now. Um, so I wanted to get your takes so for those that are listening, just based on your experience with um I guess we can compare with Italian wines. Um, what would you say, how would you contrast that with South African wines, for example? And then in terms of a cultural, um, I guess, backdrop or... Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I, 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 um, I had a good time uh, in, um, in South Africa in the wine industry. Uh, I, I will say mixed time, not, not necessarily because yeah. of time. But because of the culture and the backdrop mm-hmm. um, around it, so uh, for me, my experience when um, again for me, wine is is a vehicle, right? Wine is an expression of a place, a culture. Um, uh, so I'm very keen on terroir, uh, which is what the French have pushed, and thankfully, uh, um, so that we are not confused by um by you know people who pretend to be things right uh <laughs> then that if you're producing of course if you're producing champagne in uh, in Epernay or Rem, then you should be champagne and if you're producing in california you should be called sparkling um uh, sparkling wine right i yeah. like because uh then we we you know um at least let, let's know um it's almost like um, the difference between American who grows up in Southern California and the ones who grow who grows up in in uh, Mississippi in Hicksburg. Yep. There's gonna be cultural nuances and difference. You know, at least if nothing else, the barbecue is gonna be different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, you want that to be expressed, right? So in that regard, I totally uh, appreciate what uh, South Africa presents. It's a new world. Um, so you get a lot of, um, you know, uh, vibrancy. Um, you get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you just edge, edge, right? You, you, you're edgy. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of, you know, there's a long history, but none of it compares to the old world that has, you know, some all these structures and rules and things that have been in existence for years. Um, so in that regard, South Africa was, was revealing and interesting, um, you know, for me as a, you know, as an African who's a Italian wine ambassador and who's, uh, who studied wine greatly, uh, I will wish that, uh, African wine space was a little more, uh, welcoming of me, uh, uh, but obviously um. Africa has its, 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 uh, a very dark history. And right. I feel more welcome in the wine industry in um, <laughs> in Italy than I do in the wine in South Africa. Um, so uh, this- yeah, and I, I can I can see that too. And I think a lot of um, uh, to be to be frank, and you know, like a lot of the wine the wine industry in in South Africa is spearheaded by white South Africans, right? And so you find more black South Africans either working in the vineyards or. Um, if by virtue of um, economic or labor laws, they have some sort of quota, they would have some people working in the wine rooms as as service, etc. But you don't see black South Africans sort of at the forefront of the industry. 
Yeah, I mean, I attend a wine, wine uh, uh, conference in Italy every year. Invariably, most of them, when they find out that I studied under Ian de Agata and I actually know the grapes and know uh, what, what I'm talking about, invariably somebody says, hey, there's a vineyard, do you want to buy it, right? <laughs> because, you know, largely, in, in like in, in, in what is supposed to be mostly human, if, if you come to us and you accept us and you accept our people, then we welcome you amongst us, right? Um, you accept our traditions, then uh, they make me feel at home in Italy uh, when I go and they offer me a vineyard, like you should do, you know, um, because it's one of these things in the world that is meant to be shared. And if you have it, you, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, chocolate, you know, it's better shared, you know, you don't preserve chocolate for a certain kind of people, the joy of it um, should be shared. And I feel the same for wine. And I hope that uh, in South Africa, uh, over time, I mean, I have participated in the industry and I can, I can count less than 10 black producers in, mm. South Africa. in 2020, yeah. right? Less than, yeah. less than 10 that I know. And maybe a few that I am yet to discover, but I can count all of them that I know. And it's not for trying, right? It's not for yeah. it's, it's that, you know. Yeah. It's, and it's, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I, I explored in the time I was there, I explored quite a bit. And um, I don't remember ever meeting a black producer. So yeah, I was I introduced to, to a couple them. of people. I had to find them online. I had to find yeah. them um, And then I, I try to, represent them in these in these mar in the west african market as much as i can uh, yeah obviously you know so so you know uh, yeah that's unfortunate yeah but i guess that's it what it is so so then let's talk about your africa wine club um since we're talking about african wine now i'm sure it's not focused on african wine but why the wine club like what what's the purpose and then for anyone that's listening that wants to join, how do they get to to join the party? <laughs> yeah, so it's Africa Wine Club. So it, 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 for me, um, it means that uh, Africans who enjoy wine. So it's Africans here and in the diaspora. Um, so not necessarily African, but Africa Wine Club. Yeah. So the goal of it is just to bring people together, really um, naturally. Uh, um, so the tagline of our, our organization is food culture and business, right? Um, mm. You know, these, it's the goal is that the wine leads it. It would lead us to food invariably. Um, the food will lead, lead us to culture and discovery and learning mm. about each other. And then, and then after that, we can do business together in some. <laughs> so that's yeah. the goal of the Africa Wine Club. Uh, it started really well here, naturally, because of the economics of wine, it attracts a certain kind of people. Right. Right. So my goal is to harness this group uh, for change, for things that we want to see. Okay, let's all drink wine and then let's talk about the things we can do together to make um, everybody's life better. That's the goal. Um, and then, so it sounds like it's an in-person, well, in, in this in this COVID world, it's, but before COVID, it was an in-person, you're meeting in person, you're tasting, trying new wines. Exactly. And then and we still are largely, we're here in Accra, we're growing. Uh, the goal is to expand to other African cities. Um, 
the goal is that if you live in Accra, you go to Abuja or Lagos, and somebody's a club member, um, whether from your own private collection or from a wine bar, or wine restaurant, you can connect, right? Um, and then, so one other reason where if you are doing business in Accra from Abuja or from um, in Abuja from Accra, you wouldn't feel like a stranger because right. we all have something in common. And it doesn't have to be something religious or tribal or... Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the goal of it. And then um, our website is going up soon. It's been building up from the ground and okay. actually, um, it's been going well. And, and it, it makes it so uh, we're not... You know, for me, because I import wine now, I'm not beholden to some store or right. uh, somebody to, to, to outlet my wine. I go directly to these members because I want to get to know them. And that's what it's all about. It's not about the wine. It's about everything else uh, right. that comes with it. Yeah. Um, and I had a question for you. It's, I think it's sort of related to the wine club, but also maybe not. <laughs> um, it's, it's around groups and wine. So traditionally, or in my experience at least, the congregation of people around wine for activities is largely attributed towards women. So it's women who get together to do book clubs around wine or like wine tastings. Or do you find in your experience with Africa Wine Club that you have a, what's the mix in terms of gender? And is it, I guess if it's more co-ed, then it's, it's a little bit more. But do you find men, I always find it interesting that men in the wine space tend to be the experts, but you don't find men doing wine socially, like in groups. Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting observation, and that's that's largely correct, right? Um, that observation, and so um, uh, when we do event, it's targeted towards women. Naturally, they're the ones who come out for those events. But when I do the personal uh, drop-offs, it's to the men. <laughs> uh, they buy the 10 boxes at a time and uh, you know um so but they're I, drinking in private that's right they're drinking in private but you know, then the, the future of this is to have presentations and things that appeal to men but these are largely successful men who we might not care for uh all you know all the other stuff but uh of course they could benefit a lot of people who come there so um, it's interesting. Even those a lot are initiated by women, right? Uh, their wife is the one who contacts me, and then the right. ends up being built with the final consumer, who's the husband and stuff like that. Um, but largely, yes, our so when we do events, we have um, uh, planning events coming up uh, that is going to be in a museum, the very fancy museum here in Accra that was just recently built, and you know. 80% of that number is, is going to be, you know, women. Um, That's, that is really so interesting to me because I, I think men, also, men socialize around alcohol. They, I think, I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's an idea that wine is feminine because men will go out and do like, they feel comfortable saying they're going out for beer with the guys, for example, or if, you know, depending on certain social classes, they, you know, men will do cigar parties or I, I don't want to call it, they probably wouldn't call it parties but um 
they will organize around food or drink, but like wine for whatever reason. Um, cause I have a lot of guy friends that will drink wine, but I would, I don't see them going out <laughs> specifically well, saying, you know, that's, we're going that's, to, that's changing. That's changing largely. Um, uh, it's also, it's also a class, um, uh, it's also, a, you know, in our parts, it's, uh, it's class signaling. Yeah, you know? I guess. So, uh, in our part, if you came out for wine, depending on the setting and what have you, it means you're a certain kind of income bracket or whatever, right? Um, so, or that if you understand wine, then it means you're, you're, there's a certain level of sophistication. And just generally, what we present to men is that, you know, you know, black people, we, we consume a lot of cognac, right? Uh, yeah. We, we are 80% uh, of uh, black people everywhere in the world, 80% of cognac production, right? Um, so um, for me, then I make that connection. If you like cognac, then it's okay to like wine because cognac is made from wine, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's that connection. It's that, hey, maybe I should get older. You should stop drinking this hard stuff right away. Yeah. You start with wine, you know, and then, you know, you can do a nightcap with, with cognac, but you should enjoy your environment more and not just go hard right away. So there, there's signals that you can send that indicate um that but men also largely have a fridge in their offices <laughs> right in ghana here you know yeah it looks sophisticated if if somebody comes to your office and it's a friday afternoon at 3 p.m that you know you can offer them um water and tea uh and then uh sparkling or red or white you know it, it seems a cool thing to do um, so in those settings, men are gladly um, running for it. But yeah, in the in the social setting, in an event in a museum, chances are you're going to yeah. get a lot of ladies. Maybe we should be pouring the wine into scotch glasses and it looks we less. Could, we could. We could. <laughs> we could. <laughs> less feminine. Okay, before we take a quick break, yeah. I wanted to touch on something you've been doing um, on, on Instagram since, uh, I guess, I, I'm thinking it's since COVID started. It's this virtual wine tasting yeah. that I've seen you do with a couple of different individuals. Um, and I think that's actually, so what, is, what got me thinking about women, that there's a lot of women who will openly, like, you know, do this sort of thing. But that's, could you talk a little bit about that's so that if people are interested they can tune in or is it a regular series you're doing or just so it was it was interesting uh you know uh so i helped the one south africa group when they you know that's what took me to south africa and then right. what uh so you know when when you know obviously they couldn't they couldn't move covid and all that the lockdown in, in south africa was very severe you couldn't do anything no exports so literally, wine um, of South Africa uh, was like, okay, how are we going to stay relevant? How are we going to stay in people's minds? Um, uh, so, you know, they, we had a conversation and they sent a few wines and they wanted, uh, they had themes every month, uh, you know, and they wanted us to, you know, 
um, in, in all the regions, East Africa as well. Just, just educate people. And generally, women are early adopters in a lot of things, right? Um, so it was an easy, uh, it was an easy layup to 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 get a lot of women to participate. <laughs> it turned out to be great success. Um, and then um, as a result, so one of the things I'm doing, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we close, is or you know when we do rapid fire is, um, so I'm starting my own label. In, 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 oh, yes. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, I found enough success doing that that I feel like um, when the first batch of my uh, own label comes out here um, in about a month, uh, I'll be. Oh, wow. That's, that's soon here. Yes, yes. I've been working on it for a few months now. Um, they've, they've been delivered to the shippers. So, uh, significant progress in that regard. So it's going to be useful to get people um, interested. You know, it's much like the format that you have, but very short. I, I don't go beyond five minutes. I want to keep people's attention very quickly. Yeah. Do a bunch of them. I don't want to belabor the point. Some people were very, <laughs> I, I kept it very short, uh, but it worked. It, uh, you know, allow people to uh, feel like, okay, this is not complicated. I can do this. You right. Know? And, and that, 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 that was a good thing. So it was largely sponsored by, largely sponsored by the Wine Source South Africa group. But uh, oh, I see. Anyway, yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. So I, we will take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we will have a what I'm calling a crash course in wine. <laughs> so for anyone that's intimidated by you know wine, um, you, you think you know there's. You can't get into it. We'll do high level, the basic things you need to know, whether it's at a restaurant or if you go into a store, what to know, to know what to get. We'll be right back. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. We're back from the break. We're going to do a crash course in wine. And actually, during the break, we kept chatting. And maybe that's the first question um, for you, what we were just talking about. So how do people 
first of all, in your experience, get introduced to wine before we, st- we sort of dive into the different kinds of wine? Yeah, even before people taste wine, even before people ever have a first taste of wine, their first introduction to wine here in Africa, because the truth is wine grows a latitude 30 to 50 degrees north and south. And this is why wine grows in the very northern part of Africa um, and then um, in the very southern tip. Obviously, uh, some parts of the east, um, Ethiopia, the Rift Valley, and then the Rift Valley of Kenya, Ethiopia, you know, they have some wines growing there. I mean, Ethiopia has a long history of uh, uh, Christianity and wine and communion, right? But most people come to uh, wine, at least hearing of it, from the Christian faith here in Africa. Uh, that's so interesting to yes. me. I never, I've never made that connection. Yes, so that's their very first uh, time. So they think, you know, Jesus said, uh, this is my blood. So the wine has to look like blood, right? It has to be dark, mm. right? Um, it has to has, have the consistency of blood, the thickness almost, um, uh, the color. So it has to be dark and it has to taste like a grape, as in what they they heard in the bible right um yeah so so based on that i've been able to piece together what people generally like here and this is how i formed my own label um okay that is informed by so my label is not a bro you know my wine club members drink some more sophisticated grapes and a variety but the masses largely drink wines that fit what they believe Mm. exposure um, to this is and which largely is from from their uh, christian experience that is so interesting to me wow so it's mostly red i'm guess so mostly red wine then mostly like i mean i would guess red like wine. slightly sweet or sweet yes they, they swear by red wine they say white wine is not good most people we swear by red wine and when it's red it has to be red it has to be dark it has to be fruit forward because that's yeah that's that's interesting okay so let's talk about red wines and white wines what's the difference we'll start from the basics what's the difference between generally speaking a red wine and a white wine so it's very interesting the grapes you know the one that looks white is white the one that looks red is red right just generally right? But both inside is white. So if you take those grapes, you see, you've seen them somewhere, right? In picture, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. brochure. Whether the, whether the skin looks red or the skin looks white, what is inside is always going to produce white wine, right? Makes, oh, that makes sense. Yes, what makes red wine red wine is the skin of the red wine, right? So um, then they leave the skin in the in the juice and that's what produces red wine um so that's really the base the the basics of it. yeah and then how do you start then to get the differences in like red so how do you go from a carbonate to a merlot to a pinot pinot noir i guess so, specifically so, you know there, there are different varieties uh of grapes like i said in italy there's at least two thousand that are recorded right um, so over 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 a lifetime, obviously in in a, such a thing as wine, where it's been so many years of making money from it, you're gonna get varieties because, like anything, 
if you were born uh, an African that grew up in Siberia um, versus an African that was born and raised in Accra have very different, even though the genetics are the same, um, they'll have very different upbringings and adaptations, right? Um, so when you go to your grocery store, you see very many varieties of, right. of apples, for example. And, you know, especially when it's apple season, especially in the Midwest and all these places where apples grow, um, you're going to see so many varieties. So that's just uh, your difference between Merlot and Cabernet. Now, certain things do better in certain places, right? Uh, you're better off growing oranges in Florida than in Maine and Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's what you call terroir. That means there's okay. environments that fit certain things better, right? Um, if, you're, if you're a tennis player, you know, if you're Serena Williams, you live in Florida because you get a lot of good weather to play tennis. Yeah. Whereas uh, if you lived in Maine or Vermont uh, or in Alaska, you might not, I mean, be able to get as much uh, outdoor tennis to play. Okay. So then when we think about, I, w- I want to go into pairing with food. Yeah. And then I think we'll start to think about how then we choose wine in that way. So generally speaking, what characteristics of wine should we think about? And and this is, I'm just saying this because we don't have, you know, this is not a, a we don't have video here to show people specific wines to show. So in general, like what characteristics should we be thinking about when we think of wine? And are these characteristics put on the, uh, on the label? So things like when you say wine is fruity or it's like, oak, you know, it has, you know, hints of oak, for example, what what do those things mean in terms of our food? And I think probably the best way to do that is for me to name some foods, <laughs> and then you tell me what characters. And I know this is generally speaking. There's so take a, taking a step back. Generally, a general rule which people have come to debunk is that mostly um, heavier foods, red meat, and that sort of thing goes with. Um, red wines and then like fish and those sorts of other like more like I guess acidic foods you do with white wine but over time people have been it's become more of a fun art let's say versus a strict science um that's very true and I agree you know um I agree with you there's no science to that um because in red wine there's a lot of spectrum you can imagine um, a rosé, right? Right. A rosé, most people would say it's more white wine-ish, right? A rosé is just um, largely, in most cases, a red grape that they dip the skin in in, the, you know, in three days instead of three months, right? You know what I mean? So uh, you don't get as much color, right? Right. Rosé is largely, um, for the most part, you, you know, a lot of it comes from uh red wines right red grapes so uh that's to say uh there's but there's the common denominator there the things to look for is that wine white wine has what we call acidity it's almost like went to a restaurant they serve you salmon and then they put that lime on the side or lemon on the side right that's acidity you're you're using the acidity to to balance the fishy taste Right, so wine, ha- white wine, largely has acidity. Um, 
And this is what uh, people make the connection, right? Yeah. Uh, there's red wines that have acidity, right? <laughs> um, you know, and there are different degrees of acidity, but right. mostly present in white wines and how they're made. So this is why they say it goes with fish. And that's, right. Right? that's a good thing. Red wines have what you call tannins. Um, tannins are those things that break, break up uh, if you're eating a steak and you get all the fat and all that, uh, if you just need a balance, something to break off this constant uh, meaty, uh, oily, fatty taste, this is what tannins do. Tannins break up um, that continu- continuum yeah. uh, meaty, fatty. So this is why people make that uh, right. connection. Beyond that, it's, uh, you have to explore uh, and the beauty of it is exploring. Um, I always tell people, and this is somehow in my wine discovery, I I just kept tasting, trying different things. One day I was cooking some chicken. And then I drank this wine uh, when I was living in, in Chicago, I think. And I drank this wine. And then uh, uh, before I cooked the chicken, then when I cooked the chicken, I started eating the same wine. I just so evolved and it was so beautiful, you know, <laughs> paired so beautifully with the chicken that I, I made. It was a basil chicken I made. So that, you know, those moments make all this experience worthwhile. Anybody who's gotten there. One day, my brother called me from Atlanta and says, hey, I had this wine. Oh, my God. You know, because that wine just paired beautifully with the food. And he, all of a sudden, you get it when that happens. It's like this eureka eureka moment. So, uh, you know, those are the considerations. Yeah, there's a lot of experimentation for sure. And I I think for me, like we talked about um, it being, you know, wine culture in general being considered classist or elitist sometimes just because of the price point, especially in our part of the world. I guess if you start if you start by those general rules and then as you try different things, you can start to see like like you discovered, for example, as you were making chicken, you'll start to see what pairs best versus not. Um but wanted to, to to just do a couple of examples of like broad strokes, some foods that you may not find generally in like Western types, so, like fermented foods, for example. Like if I was having kinky or injera, for example, yeah. is there like what sort of notes or characteristics that if if I picked up a, a wine bottle, maybe I would find on the label that you know you you think would would go with that? Yeah, so um, I find that in fermented foods, banku kinky. Yeah, uh, they go well with I find personally, and this yeah. is an interesting thing when you drink wine in the West and they tell you all these fine, neat box <laughs> things in, and then you come to the continent and the food is more. If you had okra soup here, um, from I mean, okra soup is evolved in, in, in New Orleans to be like gumbo and stuff, right. Uh, right, yeah, and gumbo and all that, right? Um, it, it almost seems to be our food. And if you ate any of that in New Orleans, is a mixture of sausage and crabs and let you know, right? So it's the same here. If you eat a your regular run of the meal okra soup here, um, made well, it, it has fish, it has meat, it has shrimp, and it has greens, right? Yeah, everything is working in there. Uh, <laughs> And, and and it depends on whose hand 
made made um exactly that's a good point what the emphasis is on because you could go and you start pairing it with the with the goat meat that is there <laughs> that made it made the fish more dominant in that right yeah yeah so um but largely uh when it comes to um when it comes to uh, fermented foods i find um um like very light uh wines do the trick so a pinot mm. noir or a lambrusco right has a little bit of acidity a little bit of tannins and they largely would would balance you out um and give you a, a really nice yeah. uh, um, a pairing so yeah it, it's interesting a lot of the rules are thrown out when you when you exactly <laughs> um, and that and, and fries right mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and then what about so again broad strokes like spicy tomato based stuff so like yes. stews or like soups so uh you know over there your merlot is great uh even your white wine your riesling your riesling is great um uh you can go into certain kinds of chardonnay and that could work the chenin blanc uh even a sauvignon blanc would be would be good um, okay. I hope people are taking notes. So those who are, especially for newbies who want to, you know, try new things. This can be, again, like we're saying, these are just suggestions as you try to experiment. You may find different ways. And especially because our food is not very um, regimented in the way it's made. It depends on who's making it and yes. what they want to focus on. So Yes. And then and, and with that as well, uh, Chianti is good for anything tomato-based. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then lastly, like there's a lot across the continent because everybody I've interviewed across the continent, uh, concentrated in West Africa, but I found in, in, in East, some in East Africa too, and even in um, Northern Africa, like peanut stews and sauces. So like soup heavily based um, around like ground peanuts or gro ground nuts as we call them. Um, what would you say? Yes, I find the fruit forward wines to be really great. So any mm. world, your pinotages, uh, New World, uh, Merlot, uh, anything with a lot of sunlight, your Shiraz uh, from Australia or South Africa, or your Primitivo, honestly, uh, from from uh, Italy, or your Nero di Avola uh, from Sicily, you're going to get, uh, you know, a good balance there. Cool, cool. All right. Um, we, again, because we're not a, this is not a video-facing thing, but just quickly, one of the things that I've also found that um, sort of uh, detracts people from trying wine is that there seems to be a ritual around drinking wine. So like, you know, the swirling and the sniffing and the legs and all of that stuff. Um, what do you think, Jenna? So we wouldn't go into all of that, but what do you think? Do you think that's like... How important do you think that is in terms of experiencing wine? I mean, none of it is important, right? Uh, the whole process for me when I started, which for me was great because I didn't have to bow to any of those pressures, or yeah. um, is that I wanted to develop uh, a very systematic way of distinguishing what I'm drinking. Mm. You know, it's because then you can distinguish quality, right? You can tell what is good and what is not. You just all you're drinking when you drink wine because there's so much variety of it is that you're building institutional memory, right? Okay. Just so you know what you're drinking, how it, so just forget everything else. 
um, you know, I, I when I started, I had so much Merlot at once. <laughs> I had Cabernet, I could tell this was not Merlot. And that was all I was interested in. Okay. And I got good at telling the difference between Merlot. Yeah. And it's important okay. because this is how we, later I learned that this is how, this is how, um, we we become experts in wine. I mean, you can tell when a wine is corked because you know what it's supposed to taste like, right? Mm. If you told me uh, you picked the Merlot from France, you picked the Merlot from uh, from South Africa, I can tell you the difference because I know what a Merlot from, mm. from yeah tastes like. Um, so that's how really we are on the beyond that. None of the other stuff matters. All of that right. relatively objective. Uh, how the legs, how long it is, uh, all of that. Just enjoy your wine. If you don't want to participate, <laughs> in that, uh, don't. Right? It's not necessary. To yeah. Enjoy the wine. Yeah, that's that's good to know. <laughs> that's really good to know. Okay, so what's next for the Africa Wine Club and for you in wine? You've you've spoken a little bit about creating your own label. Yes. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit more about that, and then anything else that you have down the pipeline in terms of what you're working on. Yeah, for me, uh, it's been an exciting journey trying to build my own brand within the wine space. Obviously, knowing very well uh, what our people like. Um, mm-hmm. So creating that for the, the masses, for your, uh, even for the people who are who buy a lot of wine, your, your Monday night wine, your Tuesday night wine, this is not your weekend wine, right? This is not your, uh, you know, the regular day wine. Uh, is what I'm producing that allows people to um, drink what is predictable and approachable. Um, so that's that's been good. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the delivery of my first batch, which is about 2,000 bottles. And then after that, another 2,000 bottles of uh, one that is slightly higher end. Uh, all these wines I've tasted uh here and had other people taste and the response has been good so it's just developing you know for african wine club for me personally developing that uh having events figuring out what people like what they want more of uh once we develop the africa you know the accra uh branch a little bit being able to go into lagos being able to go into maputo uh being able to go to african other african cities lusaka uh, Nairobi and have this group um, that you know would be um, would be a group of Africans who command respect uh, on their knowledge of wine and and influence and you know all that becomes important in being respected in the wine space. Um, uh, right now, when I tell people the kind of volumes I bring in, they're shocked. But yeah, we. <laughs> We consume a lot uh, because we are very social people. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we want to be able to be recognized for that, not just as consumers, right. but as producers. For yeah, me, that's I, great. I want to own a vineyard um, in Italy that produces wine just for Africa. Um, so that's that's the goal. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And as you were speaking, um, I, was, I, th- I was thinking of two potential sort of other opportunities in terms of the things you're doing one um i think there's opportunity there's also opportunity to do it in the diaspora right so you can find a lot of groups in starting in the big cities like new york and the dc area even atlanta 
um, where you have concentrations of of uh, diasporans, Africans in the diaspora. Absolutely, that's that's a great idea, and that's that's really the goal, and that's why it's not African. It's right. Africa. So yeah, everybody who has any kind of uh, uh, African blood, we should be everybody really in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, not to put you on the spot too, but one of the things that I'm working on is a, is a restaurant in Accra, which we haven't fully opened yet. But one of the things that we wanted to, we want to do as part of our programming also is to educate people on on wine. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly interested in 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 pairing with our food. So I think because, like you said, we do a lot of our stuff socially around food and drink. And so once people start to get comfortable with that, I think that that also set, gets it. Um, tends to increase the the pie of the market if you will for absolutely and i i well i i tend to work with everybody you know i've had people reach out to me and you know at the end of the day we just want to grow it, it's one of these things where it's meant to be shared it's not meant to be you know the preserve of a certain group right but we want to great yeah grow in you know even if you're a regular middle of the road uh, Ghanaian or african and you only have wine um, at an event that you attend, uh, where or at a wedding or something where you mm-hmm. did paper, uh, you hope the hope is that for you that experience is great, even if you can't afford it with your own money. That that's that's our goal. Yeah, great. Okay, so before we transition to rapid fire, let people know. I think you've mentioned it a little bit, but where they can find you online on social media, your handles, etc. Yeah, so that's it. I'm, I'm Wine Kojo. It's uh, Wine, K-O-D-J-O, uh, on, on Instagram. And that's, like, mostly where I am. And- okay. Yeah, and I will I will include that in the show notes so that people can also easily click on that to find you. Um, okay, so let's do rapid fire. Quick, this is going to take less than a minute. Um, so just your first inclinations, thoughts, whatever. Um, first one is... Red or white wine? Uh, both. <laughs> I kind of figured you'd say that based on the explanations that you gave before. <laughs> okay. Um, coffee or tea? Tea. Surprising given your Italian connections, I thought it would be There's, more no, wine. There's no coffee in Italy, right? It's all inherited, right? That's true. That's no true. Coffee. The whole espresso culture, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, uh, tea because more variety and more nuance. Yeah. I, I say coffee too. I mean, I, I enjoy <laughs> them both, but definitely tea over coffee. Tea over coffee. Interesting. Um, Sweet or salty? Uh, Salty. And then, would you rather lose your sense of smell or taste? Uh, they're connected scientifically. I know, so you yeah. speak. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had to uh, taste, I have to have that one. So smell key. Okay. And then, <laughs> lastly, if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would that be? Uh, it would be fufu and light soup, really. Oh, yeah. not not just banku and okra soup. <laughs> Yeah, I had that so much that it lost the, it lost the <laughs> element, you know, it lost the novelty. Yeah. <laughs> My mother has that, that down to a science. If you gave her 
<laughs> cool well this has been this has been great uh we've uh, spoken over an hour now um i think people will find this i before i got into wine was extremely intimidated by it and just all of the suggestions you brought up today was sort of how i got into it like i i started to not care about all the swelling and the sniffing i experimented a lot um and so as people who are thinking about, you know, getting, you know, tiptoeing into the wine space, especially in connection with our food, our, our local foods, our indigenous foods, I hope that this was helpful instead of thinking about how you can approach wine um, in your eating adventures. So thank you, Kojo, for, for your time and for your expertise. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item13Podcast. Item13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.